we're going to start on a journey talking about who we, the people of God, the saints of God, uh, what our life is going to be like, uh, basically in perspective of the end times. And so uh, I'm going to talk more about uh, not what happens here in the earth in the seven years of tribulation, but today I'm going to get a good running start talking about Jesus's ministry. And then of course we have the cross, then the church age that we're living in now. And then we're going to begin to focus on the rapture of the church. Uh, what is the rapture? When is the rapture? Who goes in the rapture? And then uh, we're going to spend a big part of our time over here while all those seven years are happening in the earth, the tribulation. What are the saints, we the people of God who will now be in heaven, what are we going to be doing? Hallelujah. And so we're going to be studying what's happening up in heaven, who was in heaven, and what's happening in heaven in those seven years, the marriage of the Lamb. Uh, and then also we'll talk about uh, the return of Jesus to the earth with us as the army of God. And then what it's going to be like in the thousand year reign. What are we doing in the thousand year reign? Where are we living in the thousand year reign? Are people being born in the thousand year reign? All the different things that happen there, uh, all the way in until eventually when we have a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord. Does that sound like that's going to excite y'all at all? Hallelujah. So uh, I want to do this partly because, uh, you know, in all my years, I taught this about 17 years ago and I've not taught it since, um, but I'm doing it for you. And I'm doing it really because I have, I've, I've come to realize that many people just think about that it's all about just basically getting to heaven and that we're going to all be in heaven and live in heaven forever. And that's really not true. The goal, yes, of course, is to get to heaven. Uh, but we're not going to just stay and remain in heaven. You know, the Bible says we're going to rule and reign as king and priest. Have you ever thought about what we're going to rule or who we're, we're going to reign over? And so uh, there's this thing about really that God had a purpose originally in the Garden of Eden when he put man, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. His purpose was that people, his people, would live in the earth and that they would rule and they would reign in the earth. And then we know that sin came in and everything got messed up. But the truth is, is that God's original purpose is going to be fulfilled. And it will be that people will be living in the earth and it will be like heaven on earth. And uh, his people will be ruling and reigning. So we are coming back to the earth uh, to live an earth life. It's just not an earth life like right now. Can I get a big amen about that? Hallelujah. So this journey uh, is going to be an overview of, uh, I'm going to start today and get us a running start uh, and explain some things. And I think that this will help you. Um, but it's going to be about who is where now, talking about deceased uh, people that Old Testament saints, uh, also those who are dead in Christ, those who have departed since Jesus uh, went to the cross. And uh, who is where later? We're going to talk about the rapture. Uh, and then the main thrust again will be what's happening, what's it like for the saints during the seven years in heaven in the thousand year reign and then afterwards for the new heaven and the new earth. Praise the Lord. You can take those off the screen for me. Thank you. Now remember this when we're talking about end times, 
This, uh, an understanding of the end times, our point is to, to know some generalities about things that are coming. This is one of the major doctrines of Christ, is that we understand some things about uh, the end times. However, this is not a fighting point for the Christians. Many things in the end times are uh, specifically things that go on in the earth. Uh, they're very vague. They're left somewhat unclear. I believe that the Lord did that for a reason so that we would not get uh, completely focused and uh, all off on that. Again, basically, we need to know that Jesus is coming and we need to be ready that Jesus is coming and to know that we have a glorious end forever in eternity with God. Hallelujah. And so if I say something today that you're a little unsure about or maybe you've been taught differently about, I would say, you know, just have an open heart. But it's okay if you don't maybe agree with every single little thing that I tell you. Some of these things will be a little open-ended. But I will give you the explanation for why we, Pastor Chaz and I, believe the way that we believe. Uh, number two, uh, the end time revelations are also not the most significant <clears throat> part of Christianity. Because the, because the Christians... Uh, what's important right now is that we're living what we need to live so that we're prepared for what happens in the end times. And so I always tell people when it comes to end time things, uh, once you have studied the Gospels and you know, you know Jesus and the purpose and everything that happened there, once you have studied the book of Acts and you know very well the pattern for the church, once you have studied all the epistles uh, that are written to the church in the church age. Once you know all those, have studied all those, or applying all those, have faith in all those, then you can spend a little bit of time over in the end times. And so we see that majority of our focus today is really in the things that are written for the church age, which is where we're living. So the purpose of my journey, and I say it's a journey because it'll be several weeks long, is to number one, remind you that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. We'll be able to prove that very clearly from the scriptures. The second point is that we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the return of the Lord. We need to be uh, ready for the rapture. We need to understand that uh, majority of the time when it talked about Jesus coming back, it talked about him coming back with rewards. And so we need to understand the significance of this earth life. The significance that what we do right here, right now, in these days matters. That it, uh, things last for eternity. Choices that we make. The life that we live. Stewardship of what God gives us. Assignments, uh, talents, gifts. All those things matter because they, uh, they relate to how we spend eternity. Yes, and so we'll get into that. You'll be able to see that very clearly. And then number three, the purpose will be to know that there's great hope uh, for our eternal life that is so good. We're going to talk about heaven, and it's going to be so wonderful and so glorious. And I just want to say this for me, uh, because I know that in the earth, you know, we're still living with, with sin. We're still living with the curse. We're still living with all kinds of things. And earth life is by no means perfect. We know that the system we're under now is still that, that people depart have to depart right now and it's always uh, sad and can be very sorrowful uh, but I just want to say this that uh, when you study out if you'll let me take you on this study of heaven and you see the glory of it uh, this is one thing that has kind of anchored me in my life 
where I've had people that have departed on to heaven, people, family, people I've been very close to. Um, but the reality of heaven and the goodness of heaven and what's in heaven and that heaven is our ultimate goal and earth life is just while we're here, we're running our race so that we can complete it and go on has helped me uh, basically have a very healthy perspective of earth life and people departing. You know, my mother just departed, what, less than a month ago. Praise the Lord, she is in heaven. I mean, the, a few tears only because only I miss her, but wow, she's in heaven and I'm so thankful. So thankful for that. And that's why the Bible says that we don't have to sorrow like the world sorrows because we know when they're in Christ where they're at and we know that they're in our future. And then they're in our future forever, hallelujah. And so to live this from the God side really makes living a whole lot better. Praise the Lord. So today I'm going to have to get a little bit of a running start. And I'm going to start out by talking about Jesus, uh, who uh, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. And so we know that happened in about 33 AD. Uh, but Jesus came to the earth and he lived a sinless life. And then he died upon the cross. And so I need to talk this morning about death a little bit about death in the earth. Now, sleep in the Bible, when you see the word sleep many, many times in the Bible, uh, it does refer to death, but it's talking about body death. Okay? So man, we, because we're made in the image of God, uh, we, we're made of three parts. One, we are a spirit. We have a soul, and our soul is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, and our personality. And then we also have a body. And this body, uh, I like to call it sometimes our earth suit, is basically what connects us to the earth. Without a body, without an earth suit, we could not be in the earth. And so our earth suit came really from the dust. We remember in Genesis when God created man, uh, that it said he, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he blew into his nostrils the the breath of God or the life of God, which was the, the soul and the spirit of man. And so because it comes from the dust, the Bible says that when we die an earthly death, then our, our earth suit returns back to the dust. Uh, but then our soul and our spirit live forever. Our soul and our spirit instantly when our, when our, uh, when our body dies in the earth, our soul and our spirit instantly are somewhere either with God for eternity or without God in hell. So yes, heaven is, he is real and hell is real also. And so let's just look at a couple of scriptures this morning uh, to talk about this so that we understand this. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 6 and verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he said, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, so in the earth suit, that we are absent from the Lord. So while we're here in this body, in the earth right now, we are physically not in the presence of the Lord. And then verse 8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be with the Lord. So that means that once uh, our earth suit uh, 
you know, dies and goes back into the ground. Our spirit and our soul live on. Now, you have to know that this is written to Christians. And so when a Christian dies and goes down into the depths of the earth, they don't, their spirit and soul don't remain there. It's actually uh, lifted up to be with the Lord and lives with the Lord in heaven. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. Philippians 1, verses 21 through 24. Paul speaking again, and he said, For me uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Look at that. That's quite, a, quite an interesting perspective, right? Uh, he said, But if we live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And then he goes on to say, nevertheless, he's going to remain in the flesh for a while. But to desire to depart and to be with Christ. So again, recognizing here that when someone dies, instantly their spirit and their soul is either with Christ, if they're a Christian, have received the Lord in the earth. Uh, but then if they're not, they are instantly in hell. One of the two places. Then also, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. I know that many people have questions about this, and the reason I'm doing this right now is I'm going to have to talk to you about the earth body versus the glorified body so that you can understand where we're at. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 And this is, of course, Peter speaking. And he said, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent. And so he called his earth suit, his body, a tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, uh, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Uh, so again, he's saying that as long as he was in the earth, he was housed by a body, but that at some point he would put off that body suit and he would go ahead and be uh, with the Lord. Uh, verse 15 says, More, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure you always that I have a reminder of these things after my decease. One translation says after my departure. So someone does not just go into the ground and cease to exist. Their soul and their spirit live forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so uh, this is what we're talking about. Body, earth, suit into the ground, but spirit and soul living forever. So we know that Jesus came as God in the form of the flesh. He did have an earthly body. Jesus was born out of the womb uh, from Mary. God was his father, but he was to legally be in the earth. He had to come through the womb of a woman. And so uh, he did die a physical death in the earth. Uh, but that death that Jesus died was only his body. It was not his soul and not his spirit. And we know that uh, it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, that when Jesus died, it said he descended and went into the lower depths of the earth. He went down into hell and he preached to the spirits that were there. Uh, he did that because they had to be basically uh, given the chance to know why they were judged as how they were judged. And so Jesus went down and then we also know that he defeated the devil while he was in the depths of hell. And then on the third day, what happened? Jesus was resurrected. Hallelujah. He was resurrected and he ascended with a glorified body. Hallelujah. That's significant that we know this because uh, the glorified body that Jesus got also connects to the glorified body that saints get. 
uh, when they are resurrected. And so let's look at a couple of scriptures. Uh, Luke chapter 24, turn there, that talk about Jesus being resurrected. Luke chapter 24, verse 2 and 3. It says, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So see that? Once Jesus was resurrected, his body was not found anymore. Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 12. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So we see here that Jesus... uh, Uh, Many were at the tomb. Mary was at, Mary Magdalene was at the tomb. The other women were at the tomb. Peter uh, and John went. They did not find the body of Jesus. They found the clothes of Jesus because Jesus had been resurrected. And when he was resurrected, he got a glorified body. And at that time, when he went down into the depths of the earth, there was at that time what was called Hades and Paradise. Okay, and paradise was a place that was reserved for the people of God in the Old Testament because the blood of Jesus had not been shed yet, because sin had fully not been dealt with yet. They could not be in the physical presence of God. Okay, and so uh, God had to make a place for them, uh, the, the, what was called the righteous in the Old Testament, uh, those who died being righteous with God. They lived upright according to the laws and the commands, but they, they were not yet perfect due to no blood. And so uh, they could not be with God, and so God held a place in the depths of the earth for them, and it was called paradise. And so people, God's people like Noah, like Abraham, like Moses, like David, when they departed, this was where they went, and they were held. And you can read about this. We, uh, we know the account, it's in Luke 16, where you have Lazarus. Uh, who had died, and then you had the rich man who had died, and the rich man was in Hades, and Lazarus was in paradise, and they could actually see each other. And uh, so we see that the righteous dead were held in this place, but when Jesus went into the depths of the earth, uh, he, he basically caused them to be raised with him. So let's look at that in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Therefore, he says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that also he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all of the heavens that he might fill all things. Hallelujah. So these people were called the righteous dead. The Old Testament saints that were right with God, but were died prior to Jesus' death and resurrection were called the righteous dead. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus went down into the depths, he preached to the spirits defeated the devil, and then he took all of paradise, he took all of the Old Testament righteous saints, those that were the righteous dead, he took them with him and he ascended with them. They were resurrected. And at that time, their spirit and their soul connected and they rose with a glorified body. Let's turn over to Matthew 27. 
Matthew 27, verse 51 through 53. It says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints, this would be Old Testament saints, who had fallen asleep, that means had body death, were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many. Hallelujah. So what we see here is that Jesus took them and then they came back to the earth for just a short time. And number one, to be in the earth, you have to have a body. So it's either an earth body to start with or after a resurrection, it would be a glorified body. They were in, they went into the city. Many people saw them. And then they went ahead and ascended on up into heaven, probably that very same day. Very quickly, they ascended into heaven, which is where now all of the righteous dead had their entry into heaven, spirit and soul, with their glorified body, who now the Lord Jesus had been resurrected. He had his glorified body. He presented his blood to God as the sacrifice for mankind. Hallelujah. And then the Bible says that Jesus came back into the earth. Okay, now pause for one second. When Jesus took captivity, all the captives that were in paradise, and he took them up to heaven with him, the Bible says at that point that Hades enlarged and swallowed up all that was in paradise. Okay, so I want to just say this today. There is no more does paradise exist under the depths of the earth. Okay, instantly today when one dies, they are either down in Hades or in hell in the depths of the earth or their spirit or soul go to be with God. There is no purgatory. I'm going to have to say it. There is no purgatory. I'm, I'm not sure if this is where that originally came from and got misconstrued, but there is no holding tank for anyone anymore. To, to buy, die a body death in the earth, instantly the spirit and the soul are somewhere. They are either in hell or they are in heaven. There is no holding tank. There is no place that people go. And therefore, no place that people go. Not, you cannot pray them out or pray them up. I don't know where that ever came from. That was never that way. The decision that one makes in the earth before they have a physical body death determines their destination of eternity. There's no redo. There is no getting somewhere and, and, and making amends. There's no getting somewhere and someone praying you out or, or laying money on an altar or lighting incense for you uh, to get you to heaven or to get you forgiven by God. That, that is not, there's nothing scriptural that, that shows that in any way, shape, or form. So we have to know that that uh, is the way that that is. And so all of the saints at that time, the righteous dead, uh, received a glorified body, went up to heaven. Hallelujah. Then Jesus came back into the earth. He walked the earth, it says, for about 40 days with a glorified body. Again, his glorified body was what allowed him now to be back in the earth. Uh, the Bible says at that time that about 500 people saw him. You can read about that in Luke uh, 24 and in John 20 and 21. And uh, the, the two men on the road saw him, remember? Then he appeared to his disciples Turn with me to Luke 24. I want to show you, I want to talk for just a moment about a glorified body so that you know what a glorified body is like. 
What is a glorified body? Is it a vapor? Is it see-through? Do we look like a ghost? Come on, I know you have these questions. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Jesus' body, let's look at this in Luke 24, verses 36 through 43. It says, Now as they had said these things, this was when Jesus had come back, remember, uh, and He was appearing to the disciples, appearing to many people with His glorified body. Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit because they knew that he had departed. That's why they said that. And, when he, and he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So demons don't have flesh and bones like that. Okay? And so, verse 40, when, they had, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, uh, have you any food here? And so they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate in their presence. So we see that a glorified body uh, is going to look much like an earthly body. It's just, it's an immortal body rather than a mortal body. So uh, let's look at here in verse... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we see that Jesus' body was made of flesh and bones and He needed that glorified body because He did come back into the earth. And in order to come back into the earth, He needed a glorified body. We also know that Jesus is going to return one day to the earth in the seventh, second advent and put His foot on the Mount of Olives. And when He does that, He will need a body to be in the earth. <clears throat> And because Jesus, of course, is coming back, guess who's coming back with him? We, the saints, are going to come back with him. And that's why the saints that were resurrected, they were resurrected with a glorified body. So in heaven, they have a glorified body. And of course, we're going to come with him, and so we're going to need a glorified body. And we'll get that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at this. Chapter 15, verse 35. But someone will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? And then verse 40, it says, There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So the celestial bodies pertain to heavenly bodies, created beings like angels. Okay? And then terrestrial bodies are earthly people that are born into the earth, of course, made in the image of God, that have a soul and a spirit. And these, different, these bodies uh, have different purposes. Those that are celestial, like angels, were never created to live in the earth like people were. Uh, so there's a different purpose of that. Then let's go on to read in verse 44. It says, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So the terrestrial bodies are sown as a natural body, were born into the earth with an earthly body, but then at a resurrection, uh, it becomes a spiritual body. So we're raised with a spiritual glorified body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit, referring to Jesus. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual. And that's why you knew that Jesus had to be, come in the form of a man because he came 
uh, as, as the last Adam to represent all of us. So he had to be born into a, a natural earth body, but then got a glorified body. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and who is also the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So what I want to point out to you here is that every single person uh, that is a Christian that's going to die either before Christ comes again or after Christ comes again will eventually have a glorified body. We will be made to be like Him in His image. He came into the earth with a natural body but was raised up with the spiritual glorified body. And we all will be raised up also with a glorified spiritual body. Uh, this is a good time to point out why people never become angels. People do not die, and then so do not be, please do not be writing on Facebook and representing Houston Faith Church. That my uncle or my niece is in heaven, she got her wings, and I'm, she's the angel watching over me. No, she's not. Hopefully she was in Christ, and hopefully she is in heaven. She does not have wings. She is not an angel. She is not watching over you. There is a cloud of witnesses, but she is not watching over you. The heavenly angels are watching over you to keep you and to protect you. But we are made in the image of God. Angels were never made in the image of God. They are not spirit, soul, and body like we are. They are in a different class. And you're going to see later when we get into the part that's all about heaven and what's going on, you're going to see how special it is that we are made in the image of God. and We have a class and a status of our own that no one else gets. Even people that are going to be born later on in the millennial reign will never be able to have the status that you have in heaven as a redeemed saint who chose Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. This is a glorious thing. This is a glorious thing. It's, I'm so happy to, that we're living in the dispensation uh, that we are. But no uh, people ever become angels or anything like that. Also, people do not become demons. Bad people don't become demons. Uh, angels were created by God, and then uh, a third of them rebelled against God when Lucifer fell, and, and they became demons, but that's it. That, that, never, that count never expands. It's never affected angels or demons by people dying in the earth. If someone is appearing to you or people are telling you that people are appearing as your relatives that have gone on to be, it is not your relative. It is a demon that is masking as your relative and we do not want to play with that. We do not want to give entrance to that. We do not want to believe that. Uh, we do not want to make place for that. Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so let me see, look where we're at here. Okay, so praise the Lord. We're almost finished with this part. Are you happy? Ah, woo. Who would have thought we have to start out by talking about body death? But it's okay. Praise the Lord. While in the earth in those 40 days uh, after the cross, Jesus being in the earth, he established the work of the church for the age that is to come, which is the age that we are living in. And then he ascended again into heaven. So let's read about that in Mark chapter 16. 
And so now currently in this dispensation, we are in what's called the church age. But before Jesus could depart and leave us in the church age, He had to give an assignment to the church. He had to tell the church who we are, what, what we're about. And so we see this in Mark chapter 16 where He met with His disciples and He gave the commission of the church the mission. So let's read that. Mark 16 verse 15, Jesus speaking. And He said to them, Go into all the world... This is the foundation for the church and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they eat or drink, I always add eat in because I'm eating a lot of weird foods overseas. If they eat or drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then look at verse 19. After the Lord gave the commission, after He gave the work, established what the work of the church was, it says, Then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and He sat down at the right hand of God. And then the church, of course, we know it says they went out and the Lord being with them through the Spirit, uh, He confirmed the word that they were preaching. Hallelujah. So God gave the church our assignment. Hallelujah. And then it says that He ascended. And I want to talk about this uh, so that you know how He ascended, where He ascended. Because the Bible says that when He comes back, he will come in the same manner. He will come back to the earth in the same manner in which He ascended. Okay? So let's look at Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Jesus speaking again. And it says, And being assembled together with Him, this is again still in the 40 days that He was in the earth, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. And then we know in Acts, so that's the command of Jesus for every believer, if we're going to do the work that Jesus gave us in Mark 16, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we, that's His command in verse 4. And then in verse 8, we know He talks about receiving the Holy Spirit and power, power so that we can be effective witnesses for Him and get His job done. Then we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Now when He had spoken these things, while they watched, He was taken up and a cloud received Him out of their sight. Okay, so Jesus was taken up in the clouds. That's how he ascended, was in the clouds. Okay, then let's turn over to Acts chapter 1, verse 12. I want to show you where he was when he was ascended, when he ascended. Then they returned to Jerusalem from, from the mount called Olivet. So where was Jesus standing when he ascended in the clouds to go into heaven and to sit at the right hand of the Father? Where was he? He was on the Mount of Olives, okay, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So Jesus actually was standing on the Mount of Olives after he had given the commission for the church. Then he gave them the command about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then he departed. He ascended in the clouds from the Mount of Olives. And we know that the Bible tells us that when he comes back, he's going to descend in the same way. So when He comes in the second advent, 
The second advent is the only time that he comes back and touches his physical body to the ground, not the rapture. When he comes back in the second advent, he will descend from the clouds and touch his foot on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split. Yeah, it's going to be so powerful that it's going to split. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Jesus ascended, and then we know what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and the church age began. And this is the dispensation that we are in now, where Jesus has given the assignment to the church. He's seated now at the right hand of God in heaven with all of the righteous dead, those that were the Old Testament people. Now let me just talk very briefly about those that are called the dead in Christ. So anyone who died a body death in the earth after Jesus' death and resurrection are called the dead in Christ. So any of your family members, any of your friends that have departed in your lifetime or, or in the last 2,000 years basically would fit into this category called the dead in Christ. And we do need to know about them uh, that the Bible says that instantly when they died, their spirit and their soul went somewhere. If they're in Christ, they went to heaven, but their body that was in the earth remains in the earth. Their body is still in the dust. They have not yet received their glorified body. And we'll talk about that when they get their glorified body. Praise the Lord. But I want you to know that they are not, they are not in the ground. Their body is in the ground. It's really in the dust because it disintegrates into the dust. And I just want to say this. I feel of the Lord to say this. Uh, we don't have to get hung up with burial bodies cremation, those things are not, that, that's, a, that's a thing between you and the Lord. You're from the dust, you can return to the dust. So I, I've, heard it, I've heard it talked about in church where people feel like cremation is a sin. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that or infers to that at all. Uh, and, and the truth is, is if the Lord can put your body back together after it's decayed for where, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were scattered in the ocean. The power of God is greater and He is going to get your glorified body. He's going to get it back together. It's going to look great. It's going to look better than ever. Hallelujah. And so we don't have to be worried about those types of things. Hallelujah. And so uh, in the church age, glory to God, we're living it. And so now it's all about, right now in this age, it is all about the church. When Jesus died... And the church age began, the clock for Israel as God's people was turned off. We'll talk about that later. And it all became about the church. God's eye is on the church. And we are still, uh, as, a, as part of the body of the Lord, as the church of the living God, and our assignment has not changed. We have one assignment. It is the commission of the Lord. It's really the only mission of God and it is to make converts and to make disciples. It is twofolded. It is not just to make converts, because I hear this being said a lot right now. People talking about the church is all about just going out and getting people saved. No, it's two-sided. So your earth, our church life in church does matter. We get converted, that's part of the commission, and we're all active in helping people bring people to the Lord. Then... It's all about all of us being discipled. 
And we are disciples, because we're called disciples, we are continually discipled from the day we're saved until the day that we go to meet the Lord. We are to be discipled, growing and learning, never having exhausted the end of everything that we are to learn and everything that we are to do, which, by the way, matters when you get in heaven. What you did and did not learn in the earth matters. See, people have this idea that, poof, we go to heaven and instantly every, everybody just says everything. No, if you didn't learn some things on the earth, there are going to be some special classes for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to prove it to you later. As a matter of fact, your garments might not even be the same. So, so earth life does matter. All of us helping people get converted, brought into the family, but then us... When people will come, they have to allow themselves to be presented to the Lord and discipled. Then it's all about discipleship. So that is the work of the church. It's still what we do. Nothing has changed. Nowhere in there did it pick up anything else. We're not called to be the social, um, the social programs of the earth. No social program can do what the church does. There are thousands and hundreds and probably millions of organizations that can do good social programs, and we are for them. Yes, let's help the people socially as best we can, but you can't do, they can't do what we do. So we have to make sure that the church's foremost work is doing the Great Commission. And we can't get caught up in side, side things, side atrocities. Yes, atrocities that are going on in the world. But we can't let our focus be diverted. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go help people that are coming out of, oh, I'm gonna have to say it. If you're gonna help people that are coming out of trafficking, you better do it from a Christian point. And leave the other organizations that, that are geared toward that and can help that. But if we're not getting Christ in them, the only solution for every problem in the world is Christ in people. So I'm all for social programs that want to help and do, and do their thing. But we have to remember who we are and that we have something that no social program can have. Amen? Woo, thank you for not throwing tomatoes at me. <sighs> All right. Okay, so here we are. We're in the church age, and we're living for the Lord, and we're doing our assignments, and we're, we're working to see the commission of the Lord uh, come to pass, expecting that Jesus is going to come back in the rapture of the church. So let's talk about the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. It's known as the catching away. It's known as the snatching up or the translation, or the transport of the saints. Now, I want to talk briefly about tribulation because the rapture, uh, we can see from the scriptures, is tied to the tribulation seven-year period. When you see it, you'll see that they're connected in some way. So there are three different views uh, that people have uh, about when the rapture takes place. Okay? Now... Uh, first of all, it is an unknown time, and we'll go into that in a, in a few minutes. No one knows the time. 
But the tribulation, when it happens, uh, the rapture in relation to the tribulation when it happens, three viewpoints. One is what's called pre-trib. And that means that people believe that the rapture happens before or prior to the seven-year tribulation. In other words, the church is raptured up, and the minute that the church is gone, instantly the tribulation, the seven years in the earth begins. Some people are what we call a mid-trib, where they believe that the rapture of the church is going to happen in the very middle, in the very, very middle of the rapture. So at the three-and-a-half-year mark, they believe that the church will be raptured. And then some are called post uh, trib, which means they believe that the rapture of the church is going to happen post or after or at the end of the tribulation. Now, our viewpoint, Pastor Chaz and I, we've done a lot of study, as I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, we are pre-trib. We believe in pre-trib rapture. We believe the church is going to go and be gone, snatched away translated instantly, and then the seven-year tribulation is going to start. I'm going to tell you the six reasons why Pastor Chaz and I believe in a pre-trib rapture, and then you can, you can, this is one of those things that we can agree to disagree, and it would be, you know, you could have your own viewpoint. But you do need to have some basis for why you believe what you believe. All right, so here's the th six reasons why uh, I believe that it's a pre-trib rapture. First, it's called the rapture of the church. And so the church age ends when the church departs and the clock is turned back on to the nation of Israel and it all becomes about the Jewish people. It's no longer about the church anymore. Once that clock turns back on, and it's clear that that clock does turn back on when the tribulation starts. So being that it's the rapture of the church, it makes sense that the church would not be here when the clock is turned back on and the nation of Israel uh, becomes most important. Number two, uh, it says that at the rapture that Christ will present the church to himself. You can see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. So he's presenting the church to himself, but we know that uh, when the clock turns back on and it's all about Israel in the first three and a half years, uh, it's all about the Jews. It's all about what the Jews are doing. And so that doesn't really make any sense that he's going to wait and leave the church and the earth and then bring, bring them at the three and a half year mark. Number three, in Revelation, Jesus appeared to the Apostle John and in chapters one through three, he's talking about the church. He's talking to the church. He's talking about the church. He's talking to the church about some things to make sure they're doing. He's talking to them about some things to make sure that they're not doing. Then all of a sudden in chapter four, the Lord begins talking about the end times. He begins to lay out the seven-year tribulation and all the things that are to come. He says, now let me tell you about the things that are to come. Once he says that in chapter 4, the church is never, ever mentioned again. Never again are they mentioned in Revelation after chapter, in chapter 4 on. Hallelujah. Number four, the tribulation is all about Israel and the Jews who turn to Christ. So what happens is the clock turns back on uh, and the tribulation, 
the Jew, there are going to be Jews, 144,000 of the Jews that turn to Christ and they are going to begin to be the ones that are doing the work of the Lord. They're out evangelizing. Uh, it's very clear that it talks about that. And then in the mid-tribulation at the three and a half year mark, there is an actual rapture of the 144,000 Jews. And so it doesn't make any sense to me that the rapture of the church and the Jews happened at the same time. When it's talked about in the Bible that in those first three and a half years that it's all the Jews that are doing the work of the church, the doing the work of the Lord, if the church was still on the earth, what would we be doing? It's very clear that only the 144,000 saved Jews are the ones that are bringing the message of the Lord. So if the church was still on the earth, what, what would we be doing? There would be, there would be nothing. Why is there no mention? It's the Jews that are fulfilling the great commission. Number five, the fifth reason is that in the tribulation there is the revealing of the Antichrist. And it tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 that the Antichrist is, is revealed when the hinderer of lawlessness is removed. When the, who is the hinderer of lawlessness? We are the church. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the restraining force. Now, I've heard people say that that refers to the Holy Spirit, but it's not true. The Holy Spirit never departs out of the earth. There are people that are actually saved during the tribulation. They couldn't be saved without the Holy Spirit being in the earth. So it's the church that's actually removed. And the Bible says that the, the Antichrist can't be revealed until... Right? The hinderer is removed. Praise the Lord. Don't you feel like if we were here and the Antichrist was revealed, the church that knows some things, have studied out the Scripture, has the Spirit of the Lord, would be able to detect? Yes. It also says at that time that the wrath of God will be poured out. And so you have to understand all throughout Bible days, God has always made a way of escape for His people. And so probably on Wednesday night when I talk a lot about the rapture, I'm going to talk about the four conditions that need to be met in order to escape the tribulation through the rapture. Probably going to do that on Wednesday. But it just makes sense that the wrath of God is not going to be poured out in the earth while God's people are here. Number six, the last reason that I'm a pre-trib believer, is that the time of the rapture is unexpected. We might get into that today. How the rapture comes very... Uh, it's unknown. It comes like a thief in the night. No one knows about it. So if we were raptured at mid-tribulation... Mid we would know when the rapture was going to take place. Because when the tribulation begins, everybody's going to know. The temp, the, the, there's all kinds of things that's going to happen. And we're going to know. So it doesn't make sense. The scriptures are so clear that no one is going to know when the rapture takes place. So I don't see how it could be mid or post uh, in relation to that. Hallelujah. But let's talk about the rapture. Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is what we're living for. Woo! Praise God. Turn with me over to John chapter 14. Jesus is coming back. You need to believe it. You need to believe it and you need to be ready for it. Glory to God. Everybody that's ready for it can say it with a smile on their face. If you got to say it and you're a little uncertain... You might need to tighten up. You may not need to get your walk a little straighter. 
<laughs> Where is the time? Praise the Lord. Okay. John chapter 14, verse 2. 2 and 3 says, in my, Jesus speaking, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. Hallelujah. So the rapture of the church is when Christ comes for the believers or the saints in the air. He does not put his foot on the earth. He comes in the clouds. We need to understand that. So he meets the saints in the air and he takes them back to heaven with him, presents them before the Father's thrones, gives out their rewards where they remain, we the saints remain during the tribulation on the earth. So those that are in Christ will be translated at the rapture. Hallelujah. All those that are in Christ, those who are in the earth alive, and those who are dead in Christ in the ground, remember, their soul and spirit is with God in heaven, but their body is where? Their body is still in the earth. In that moment, at the time of the rapture, those who are dead in Christ, their bodies will raise up from the earth in a glorified body and it will meet their soul and their spirit in the air with Christ. Hallelujah. And everybody that's living, those who have, are in the earth at that time who have not experienced a physical death will be instantly translated in the blinking of an eye up into the sky with a glorified body. Instantly your body. Immortality will, mortality will take on immortality at that point. Hallelujah. So let's read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I do not want you to be ignorant. Listen, church, I do not want you to be ignorant. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. <laughs> Woo! For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He's going to bring them with him because they're in heaven with him and they're going to get that glorified body. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Woo! The glorified bodies come up. They meet with their soul and their spirit. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is what we're living for. This makes every sacrifice worth it. Woo! Now look here in verse 16 where it says rise. The Lord will ascend and the dead in Christ will rise first. What will rise? Their bodies. Their bodies will rise. The glorified bodies will rise because their soul and spirit are descending with the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's why it's important to understand the glorified body and then we get our glorified body and go up. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this, incor when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Hallelujah. Woo! So we are going to rise triumphant over death. Uh, we need to understand not everyone will experience a physical death in the earth. Not everyone. There will be those that will be in the earth when the Lord actually uh, comes at the rapture. And so those people will not ever experience an earthly death where their uh, earth suit is put in the ground. But I want to say this. About, so that's where everybody wants to be. Everybody's like, I want the Lord to come back in my day. I want the Lord to come back in my day. And really, most people say that because, you know, we don't want, we don't want to experience death. Okay, and so I know that death is an enemy to God. I know it was not the original plan, but it is the system that we currently have in, that we live in. And I'm trying to help you here. Because anything that you fear or anything that you dread in life means that you're outside of God's, God's realm with it. And so this is, the, this is the system right now until Jesus does come back is that we live our life in the earth, we run our race, we finish our course, we do it well, and then we go to depart with the Lord. And so we have to remember that to depart is gain. Earth life is not the ultimate. We, we have a race. We're called to run a race and to finish it so nobody goes early. You have to use your faith to not go early. But when it's time to go, you need to be okay with going. And I say it all the time, I'm very sincere. When my, when my assignment is up, I'm not talking about a certain age. I'm not talking about how my body feels. I'm talking about when my assignment is up, I am out of here. I'm going to do everything I can with my faith to depart. Because I don't want to remain in the earth with no assignment from the Lord. Hallelujah. So I believe that even today in this where we're living is that everyone departs until the Lord comes. We can still live victorious over death. We use our faith to live. We use our faith to depart. When we're done, when we're finished, we just, we just trust the Lord. We believe the Lord. We use our faith to go. There have been many accounts of people who have known when their time was done. They have told their family, I'm going this week. Don't have to be sick. Don't have to be down and out. You just use your faith. You lay your head down. You give up the ghost and you go. It can be done. If you don't believe it, you'll never, you'll never have that. That's okay. That's up to you. But I'm clear enough on the scripture to know. And I believe as a Christian, we can have victory in every, every part of this earth life, which also means our departure. Amen. And so this is, this is why we have to change perspectives. This is why we have to talk about these things in church. Amen. So be very careful about saying, I'm going to live to just be a certain age, a certain age. You better make sure why you're wanting to live to be that certain age. I, my personal opinion, I'm going to give it. 
is I believe that we're, because earth life is all we know, and maybe our, our perspective of heaven is not uh, as full as it needs to be, I think that people hang on here in the earth. And that's why many people are sickly and struggle for many, many, many years. You know, when Paul made this statement that he was trying to decide whether to go or to not go, he was in his 60s. What? Aren't we supposed to live to be 120? Mm. We're supposed to live till we finish our course. And that, that could be all kinds of ages. So we want to do it with the Lord so that while we're in the earth, we have our faith can really be secure that while we're here, I'm going to fulfill the number of my days in health. I'm going to have a purpose. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be still winning people to the Lord. I'm still going to be discipling people. And then when my day's up, bye, y'all. See y'all in a few years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. It is possible from reading this scripture here that there are two trumpets. Maybe the first trumpet, the dead in Christ rise, and at the second trumpet, those who are alive uh, depart, but it doesn't say exactly. It's also possible, you know, who, who is the archangel? Well, you know, Gabriel was the one that showed up on the scene and, and declared that Jesus was birthed. So it might be him, but we don't really know those things. But also, let's continue on. Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 25. Talking about the rapture of the church. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and wash her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and bl without blame. I hear, I hear people telling me all this all the time that uh, the rapture can't happen right now because the church is not this yet. We are already that. In the sight of God, we are already a glorious church. We are already without blame because we have the blood of Christ. We've been bought by the blood. We've been washed by the blood. And it's not contingent upon a, a conditions of how people are living. It's how God sees the church. Now look at Luke 21, verse 36. It says, watch therefore, it's written to the church, what was going to be the church, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So again, this is talking about why I believe that the rapture is going to play, take place. And the minute the rapture takes place, then the tribulation is going to start in the earth. And we want to make sure that we're counted worthy. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday night. Colossians 3, chapter 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. So in that instant, in that moment, we're going to be translated up. Hallelujah. Now, when can the rapture take place? Okay, the rapture can take place at... Well, one thing I want to say about it is it's a one-time deal. There's only one rapture of the church, and you're either ready and you go, or you're ready or not ready and you don't. And I, I want to say this, that if you're having trouble 
living in the earth, really in Christ, submitted to the Lord, it might be very challenging for you to be left behind and have to prove out your salvation in the tribulation. When the persecution at that time will look nothing like it is today. This is it. This is the time. We have to live for Christ now. We have to get our life. With, if, if we live in the relation that he, in, in relation to the fact that He is coming, and He is coming soon, then we're going to have a, a very focused pursuit. We're going to know what our focus is, what our purpose is. So the Bible says, let's read uh, Matthew 24, verse 36 through 39, and then we're going to read 44. But of that day and hour, no one knows, this is Jesus speaking, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, talking about the rapture. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 44, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Luke 21, 34, but take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing, drunkenness, and listen to this, and the cares of life. The things that we spend so much time and effort, the things that we hold so dear to us, the Lord might not even be looking at those as significant. So don't let that happen and then the day come upon you expectedly. The reason the day would come upon you expectedly is that you would miss the rapture and the tribulation would come. So what you need to know about the rapture is there, there's not one single thing in the earth, there's not one prophecy scripture that needs to happen before the rapture can take place. And this is a misnomer of the church again. They have mixed up the rapture with the second advent. When Jesus comes back and puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives and the Mount splits and all kinds of things happen, there are conditions or requirements or things that will be happening or have had happened. But for the rapture, there is nothing. The rapture could take place today. It could take place tomorrow. It could take place next month. It's not set by any Jewish calendar. It's not set by any event. And so we all need to understand that it can be happen at any moment and we need to be ready. It's not a cliche. It's not a cliche that the rapture is coming, that Jesus is coming back. He really is and he's coming soon and we need to be ready. There are no second chances for the rapture. There is no redo for the rapture. There's no, oh, sorry, Lord, I, I missed it, please. There's none of that. You either go or you don't. You're either snatched up or you remain. The Bible talks about that. They're out in the field. One goes and one remains. Hallelujah. It's coming quickly. It's coming unexpectedly. And that's why we eagerly await for it. And we eagerly look for it. Watch for it. It said it'll be like in the days of Noah, all the partying. Do you know what it was like in the days of Noah? It was so evil on the earth that the, the Lord had to destroy all of the people except for a righteous few. I think we're pretty much, yeah, pretty much like that in the earth today. Darkness, evil, a total disregard for God and the things of God. 
But we have forewarning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is coming. We do need to be ready. Now listen, years ago, before I was called as a preacher, I was a believer. I was a spirit-filled believer. Had recently been spirit-filled, loving the Lord, you know, really, really giving my life to the Lord. I took a, a visit to my parents' house, and uh, it's a two-hour drive. I've driven it very many times. Same, same route, same road, same time frame every time. And I was in the car that day, and I don't remember particularly doing anything spiritual. I, I know I wasn't praying. I wasn't praying in tongues. I don't remember singing worship music. I, I, I probably was just thinking about maybe what my agenda was when I got there. I don't really know. But all of a sudden, as I was driving in my car that day, all of a sudden, at a certain point in the road, I had been driving for 45 minutes, the Lord Jesus entered my car, and He sat beside me. Now, when Jesus entered my car, everything else disappeared. From that moment on, I don't remember the car. I don't remember driving. I don't remember the road. I don't remember anything. All I remember is that Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, my Savior, had just sat in the car with me. And the very essence, the very essence, the very power of who he was filled it filled my car I felt like he I felt like he filled all of me and all all I could all I could do was just sit there while Jesus was in the car and Jesus began to speak and Jesus said four sentences to me and this is what he said of all the things that Jesus could say to this believer this is what he said he said, the time is short. I'm coming soon. The people aren't ready. Tell the people to get ready. Four sentences. The time is short. I'm coming soon. The people aren't ready. Tell the people to get ready. The Lord said four sentences to me. The magnitude of those words. And then all of a sudden, Jesus left my car. And I was sitting in front of my parents' home. Apparently, I had driven for an hour and 15 minutes. Totally unaware. I was now in front of my parents' home. An hour and 15 minutes had gone by. How could all Jesus have said for an hour and 15 minutes was four sentences? But Jesus doesn't operate, the Lord doesn't operate in our, in our time realm. So I can't explain that. It's supernatural. I just know that in that, I was one place on the road and then I was an hour and 15 minutes and, and to my destination and Jesus had said four sentences. He is coming. Now I was not a preacher. And I understood when he said the people aren't ready. First of all, I am a people and I, I better be ready. And I have endeavored since that day, every day, to live ready. It'll keep you from departing. It'll keep you from wandering. It'll keep you... Because we want to be ready. And we want to help others be ready. So many people all around us aren't ready. Even the church. So here goes. Four years later, I'm at a conference... In the, in the four years, I'd been called into the ministry. I was a brand new preacher at this time, you know, trying to f learn the ministry, learn what, what my role was in doing that. 
And I went to a conference and I was not preaching. I went to a conference to participate. I was sitting in the back. We were in worship. It was glorious. All of a sudden I had a vision. And what I had a vision, everything in the room disappeared and all I saw was the vision. And it was Jesus on a white horse. And he was holding a flag that said faithful and true. And behind the Lord Jesus was the army of God. It was all the saints. We were clothed in white. It was spectacular. It was glorious. Jesus was at the point and behind him was the army that fanned out like, like in a V. And I, and I began to watch the army. I saw the earth and there was gross darkness all across the earth. And Jesus was at the point and, and Jesus with the army was moving across the face of the earth. And as he was moving, every time the point of who Jesus was, the beginning of the army, the head of the army, would hit the darkness, glorious light would be dispelled because Jesus had arrived on the scene. And then I began to notice the army. The army was wonderful. They, they were all in rank and file. They were in unity. They were moving together as one. It's like somehow in my spirit, I knew that every single person was in their right place doing the right thing. And, and it was all that we were together doing what we were to be doing that was making us go as we were to go. And then all of a sudden, as I was watching this glorious thing, I, I, my attention was diverted. And it was diverted over to people who were on the side. And they were clothed in white. But they were distracted, clothed in white, representing they were part of the army, but they were over off the side. They weren't, they weren't in rank and file. They weren't connected with the body. They weren't doing anything. They were doing their own things, very busy. And as I watched them, I was so grieved by the Spirit of the Lord that people who Christ had redeemed had not taken their place. And as I watched them, all of a sudden one of them would look up and it was like something would dawn upon them. And they would see the army and they would jump into the army. And the minute they jumped into the army, I knew that they were in their right, it was like they were in the right place, rank and file, and they were instantly moving with the army. Again, in step, in tune, knowing what to do. And as I saw that, it was just one saint jumping into the army the V would widen and the speed at which the Lord was moving across the earth would escalate. Just one saint. I came home, I wrote it down. A week later I was praying with someone not thinking about that vision. And all of a sudden as I was praying, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and it came upon me in such a powerful way that it he knocked me to my knees. And when I fell to my knees, the Lord was instantly, I didn't see him, but I knew he was in front of me. And he said to me something. He said, the time is short. This is four years later. Time is short. I'm coming soon. And he said, my people aren't ready. Tell them to get ready. And here we sit today. The time is short. And Jesus really is coming. And so the question is, are you ready? Oh, so many ways we could look at that. Are you ready to go on? The, are you saved? Are you, do you know your destiny is heaven? Or are you ready to go on the rapture? 
Are you, are, you, are you living for the Lord? Are you ready to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be accountable for, for what you've done with what He's given us? Oh, how is the Lord's good pleasure, Luke 12, 32, to give us the kingdom. He's given us the kingdom. What are we doing with the kingdom? Oh, I know what you're doing with your life. I know what you're doing with work. I know what you're doing with family. We have things to do, absolutely. But never do those things override what we do for the kingdom. Because you will live in eternity. I'm going to prove this out to you. You will live in eternity in the position and in the rewards of what you're doing now. And there is no redo. There's no getting to heaven and saying, Oh, I had a spouse that didn't do this. Oh, I had children that weren't. Oh, you stand before the Lord, just you and the Lord. That's a kind of a heavy message today, I understand. But we must be ready. We must be ready. I heard Brother Copeland say it the other day. He was in a meeting we were at last month. And he said that the church is not talking enough about the return of the Lord. It's like we hear about it. No, we know it's coming. But it's like, are we living in the real reality? That, it, that it's, it's going, and then it can happen in any moment. It can happen at any moment. Are we ready? Are we ready? Church, are we ready? My job is to tell you to get ready. To make sure you're ready. That your salvation is set. That you're, that you're living in Christ. That you're, you're going to... Wednesday, I'm going to tell you what those... Who goes in the rapture? In the conditions. It's, I think the church has always presented it as like... Just if, you're, if you've called upon the name of Jesus, you're going to go in the rapture. That is really not... As far as I can see it, and I've studied it out, and I'm hopefully going to be able to prove to you, I, it doesn't really look like that's exactly what's going to happen. So today I just want to ask you, are you ready? Hallelujah. Maybe we need to do a little, hmm, this week. Maybe we need to, you know, visions and things we, we have with the Lord... You don't have to have your own. Sometimes he gives someone else and you hear theirs so that you can connect with it. But we need to live like in the reality of that. I've tried every day since to recognize that Jesus is coming and I'm going to be accountable. And this is what, this is what prevents us from having bad days. <laughs> we, we can't afford at this, at this point, the time is short, we can't afford bad days. We can't afford unproductive days. We're doing this with the Lord. The Lord, these are the days he said that we work. He said the night is coming. But right now these are work days. These are times that we have to take this life with the Lord. We have to take the word of God. We have to take the spirit of God every day and live in the reality. We can't be beat down. We can't be depressed. We can't be sad. We can't be unproductive. We are the church. We are it. We're all God's got. We're the best he's got. And he's counting on us. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.